Hey there, and welcome to the Introverted Entrepreneur Podcast. My name is Denise Lee, and I'm a life coach specializing in traumas and addictions. And today I have a very special guest. Her name is Emily Cox, and she is a licensed therapist operating out of North Carolina. Her practice, Larkspark Therapy, specializes in working with youth and young adult populations. But more importantly than that, she is experienced with traumas and addictions and learning who you are and doing inner child work. So if you're interested in learning about what inner child work is, what it is to work with a therapist, and more importantly, getting past the fear of working with a therapist and understand what therapy looks like, listen to this very impactful and informative conversation that we shared. And I'm hoping that you got a lot of good nuggets. Make sure you take some notes and really be present because we may say some things that may change how you view healing work. And you're gonna get some really powerful tips coming to you after this short break. Hey, hey, Emily. Hey, Denise. Hey, what's up? You know, I know we're supposed to be talking about therapy and healing yourself and the inner child, but I want to talk with you about the Waffle House just for a second, just like as a warm up act before we kind of get into it. And uh, before you started telling me about your credentials, about trauma therapy and healing, you told me that. The way you view your experience at the Wolf House depends on your level of inebriation. And I thought that was like the perfect like start to talking about healing and trauma work. Because when you think about it, when we were going through all of our issues, we were kind of in an intoxicated state. And we saw things through a, a rose, well, I shouldn't say rose, it could be brown, it could be murky, it could be like super colored lens. Mm-hmm. And then like, as we heal, I'm like, oh, Maybe I view things differently. Mm-hmm. Fair point. I think my exact words were like, the experience of Waffle House is greatly enhanced by your level of inebriation. And I think that's really relevant to what you were saying about a you know, trauma experience or a healing experience of people ask about, I'm from North Carolina, if y'all are not aware, Waffle House is uh, throughout, the, throughout the South and they're amazing and incredible and wonderful no matter where you find them at what point in your life. Um, but their experience, you know, people from not around here, it'll be recommended, you gotta check out Waffle House, you gotta go to Waffle House. And then some people will go to Waffle House at like 10 a.m. on a Tuesday, and they're like, I don't get it. Like, sure, there's great people watching, and like, I learned some new words that I might not have known that they were said that way before. Um, and like, the waffles were okay, but like, I don't get it. It's like, mm, it's a very different experience versus your level of inebriation at four o'clock on a Friday versus your 10 a.m. on a Tuesday. So yes, much relevant to your healing journey or whatever trauma experience you're happening of, it is very dependent on your level of uh, awareness at each time. I was recovering from uh, my sex addiction while continuing to hide bottles and drink myself to oblivion. So I didn't really have a great experience healing from trauma while going through my own inebriation experience. And the, the reason why I mentioned that is because those of you guys who may be listening, you may be thinking, oh my goodness, all I want to do is work on my anxiety, but my internalized shame, let's just park that to the corner. All I want to talk about is making more money in my business, but I don't want to talk about my ability to handle criticism. Let's put that in a box. That's in a box. That's not what I'm coming to therapy for. I did not come to you to talk to you about this. Uh-uh. Do not ask me about my mother. 
I did not engage in this conversation. It's in a very clearly defined and labeled box in the corner and we're not opening it and we're not discussing it. We're not acknowledging that it's there. It's in the box, Denise. We're not opening the box. The thing about, I talk about with the boxes sometimes with people is like, sometimes things bleed through the boxes, right? Sometimes they seep out, even when, so like they're very clearly boxed. They're very clearly organized. We have done lots of work and lots of intentionality has gone to, into putting things in the box, shoving them deep, deep, deep down inside. But then sometimes they just pop back up even when we don't want them to. So we're like, I'm coming to you for anxiety. I'm coming to support for um, my partner is just annoying to me and I just need them to stop being annoying. There's nothing wrong with me. It's my partner that's annoying. Um, or I'm coming to you because of, you know, I want to be more productive at work. Don't ask me about anything that happened in childhood. Oh, no. And this is what it makes it so difficult uh, as a healing practitioner is people understanding that we're going to invade everything. We're going to be like a virus. We're not just going to stop <laughs> at, at with your ability to sleep soundly. We're going to talk about how you manage your stress during the day. And the reason why I mention this is because I see so many people say, my therapist didn't help me. Therapy's not for me. Junk. I tried it. It just wasn't for me. It didn't, you know, it may be fine for other people, but like, it's not good for me. When like, it's not, sometimes it's not a fun process. Sometimes it can be fun and delightful and I'm breaking out the Uno cards and we're doing art and it's great. Sometimes we're like going through the dirt and we're like trudging up the yucky stuff and it's not fun. It's like not fun to sit in with. And I think it's hard for a lot of people to like even the process of getting started, it kind of keeps a lot of people away from that first initial step of getting help because like that can be really overwhelming. And then like, are they gonna swim in all my muck? I live in my muck and I don't like it. So why would I invite someone else into this pool? But like, that's part of why we're there to help. And that's part of the process. It's not the most fun part of the process, maybe. We might not rate it five out of five stars, but also <laughs> letting someone swim in the muck with us can help the clarity come. There's a lot of people that come from that Freudian era type of therapy where you just sit in the corner with a notepad and just look like you're staring off into the distance. <laughs> and they're like, well, why can't I just have you listen and, and don't speak? Don't tell me anything. Don't give me any feedback. Can't you just be the silent therapist? I talk to people sometimes too about like couch therapy, like old school, super old school, like Freudian, where like you don't even see the therapist. They sit behind you. And you're laying down on the couch, staring at the ceiling, just like talking into the void. And then they're like analyzing and do their stuff. There's a space for that. There's some people where like, that's really what you need. Um, but also there's a space for like having a conversation or like connecting with someone. And that like, there's so much of our life is relationally based and relationship based. So then like therapy is another experience where you can have like a safe boundary contained relationship, but practice all of the junk that comes up in our partner relationship and our relationship with kids and our relationship with ourselves, our relationship with our friends, our relationship with family, whole fun and exciting adventure there. Um, but like it comes up in our lives. So like therapy is a great space for it to come up in a like contained way that then we can address it. And your relationships with people, do they just sit and listen to you and not give any feedback and, and say, yeah, girl, that's 100%. You are making all the right choices here. There is nothing wrong at all going on. Everything's perfect and rainbows and unicorns and you do nothing wrong and everything's perfect. That may be someone's life. 
but I know that's not my life. That's not many of the people's lives that I engage with outside of therapy work. Um, but like having that room for that like discourse and involvement and to practice that like relational space and be like, ooh, it might be really uncomfortable to confront my mom about this, but like, can I try having this kind of conversation in therapy or in coaching or in wherever I can have it? Like, ooh, I'm not ready to confront my partner about this or to bring up this issue that I'm really struggling with. Maybe I can bring it up here or maybe I can try. I don't even have to say it. I can just try and see where I get. I, I have a son. He's seven years old, seven going on 70. And this year he is riding a big boy bike, mountaineer bike. Mm-hmm. It's not just any bike. And what was fascinating was that he just started riding a a regular bike. And my husband was marveled at like how quickly he graduated from the train riding on the train wheels Mm -hmm. to riding a regular bike and I'm like I'm not shocked because when he was a toddler I got him one of those fake practice bikes that didn't have you know it was just wheels and you just kind of it was a balance board to train him and he did that mess roaming around our house for years Mm -hmm. so when the training wheels came off he was like, ain't nothing. He's but ready to go. He's like, and so goes your experience working with you, Emily, or anyone who's listening, working with a coach or however you want to go through your healing journey is like, that's your training will experience so that when you're in the real world dealing with challenging cray cray situations, you'd be like, I got this. I practiced. I'm ready. I can handle this. That's what we're wanting to get to, right? We might in the process of getting into a starting of a journey, we might be in a space where we're like, this sucks. Or like, this is not working. This is not fun. I feel broken. I feel disconnected. I feel like everyone else has figured it out and I don't. But we want to get to a place where we can be like, I can handle this. I can do this. I have the skills. I have the abilities. I love the training wheel metaphor. It also brought up like, I talk a lot, but like sometimes kids have no fear. Right. So when like you're teaching them riding the bike, we as adults look at it and we're like, how are they just zooming down the street? I used to work with horses and there's this, you know, kids will just jump up on a horse, stand on a horse, ride on a horse. You know, adults will be like, "Ah, here's this thousand pound creature coming to destroy me and stampede me. I'm going to fall off and break everything. Kids will just be doing backflips and sitting crisscross applesauce on the back of a horse. But they have no fear because they just jump into experiences. And they might not have the same level of like context or experience of like things going wrong, bad things happening, pain happening, fear happening. So one lesson we can learn from that though is like, how can we engage with different experiences? How can we engage with different aspects of our life with that same level of like openness and vulnerability and like fearlessness? I know that kids are your wheelhouse. That, that's your jam. And talking about the, the inner child is like something that you really are passionate about for those who have been listening for the very first time, my newbies in the room, can you, would you please explain like, what, what are we talking about when we say our inner child though? That is an excellent question. You will get multiple definitions. Some people specialize just in like inner child world work and like the psychology field, there's lots of things. People are very invested in their own path of doing things or their own modality or orientation of doing things. So you can find like the strictest definitions and the most rigid explanations of inner child work where all you're doing is creating a space for your inner child to come out, creating a dialogue with them, connecting with them, working with the relationship with them and having them come into the forefront. 
how I do and show up with my work with inner child work, what it means to me is just kind of like our experience, our presence of ourself of when we were experiencing childhood and like how that shows up for it in different ways. It can also show up in our adult life at different times in different ways. So a lot of people will be like, I don't know about this. Like, this is woo-woo. This is crunchy granola. Like, what is going on? Sometimes we like don't have a really present interconnected, you know, inner child showing up. We don't have that element of our narrative. There's a piece of it too that goes back to like Jungian archetypes, that kind of vibe is part of how it shows up in the work that I do with most people of like not necessarily connecting to like a one narrative or a one space, but just being like, there's all different pieces of us. They're all different parts of us. We've had this whole lifetime experience. So it makes sense that part of us would be from childhood. Part of us would be from that area. Um, so then just kind of like allowing that piece to be present. Some people are like, it might not be present for us. It might not be present at this point in our lives. And we might not have a great connection to it. And it'd be like, I don't know, my childhood was great. Nothing went wrong. Everything was, was wonderful and unicorns and rainbows, excellent. <laughs> sometimes that's not a reality for a lot of us, right? So sometimes how it can show up and how it can be um, like productive and helpful in terms of our healing is like creating a space for us to acknowledge it and like engage with it and like listen to the wisdom that it's sharing and listen to what it's willing to communicate with us. You can be really literal with that and like have an actual narrative with inner child or just being like, why is my dating life a hot mess? And why am I reacting to every tender thing? Like it's the end of the world. And that like, that sounds a lot like how teenagers engage with dating. That sounds a lot like how we might have engaged with flirting and engaged with, you know, relationships when we first started and engaged with relationships, no matter what age we were when that happened. But then like, huh, I wonder what our 14-year-old self, why they're here, why they're showing up, and also like what they have to say. What about this time in our life is allowing that to happen? What about this engagement with this human, this other human being in the world is like creating that things to happen and then just like having that curiosity around that. You know, speaking about curiosity, you know, one of the things that my own healing journey taught me was that there are key pivotal moments where I was being abused or I felt unsafe. In that moment, my emotional development was arrested. Like for example, when I felt abandoned when my father went off womanizing and doing God knows what, I, in my mind, I was locked in the state of, you can't trust nobody. And so I can think about key moments in my childhood where I felt unsafe, insecure, afraid, alone, vulnerable. And instead of growing through it, I just tried to avoid it. And I think it's part of your work. You're like, hey, let's go back. Let's time travel back. Right. And or like, let's that. just check in of yeah. like, it's there. We can get really good at stuffing it down. It's part of like trauma work and trauma brain, right? Trauma brain can get a real great snapshot of exactly how we felt in all of our body state at that time of that experience of when something happened in a certain way. So like, we might not remember all of the details crystal clear, but like the smell of popcorn can take us back to that. Or like the one way of how this one car looks driving by or like the layout of the house a certain way. So like certain memories or specifics about it won't happen, but like the way certain situations will take us back to that place or the way certain things will get us back into that like level of feeling and then take us back there. So like that's part of trauma work. That's part of trauma brain. That's just part of memory encoding. 
But then it's like, how do we invite that into the space of when we're at a more like ready level to heal and at a more adult level of like, hey, I'm willing to look at this when I'm not activated, when I'm not in flashback mode, when I'm not in the middle of a trauma response going, why is everything shutting down? Why am I hyperventilating? Why do I feel like everything's out to get me? Like doing work in that space is very different and the tools we need in that space are very different than like a more baseline space where we're able to regulate and we're able to look and we're able to say like, I'm safe now. Now we can look at times where safety wasn't guaranteed. And I know for some of those who are listening, they're like, well, that's awesome that you were able to work through that. But my situation's different, you see. And then we put up this force field 20 inches, I shouldn't say 20 inches, 20 feet deep, <laughs> mm -hmm. like 500 <laughs> yards high. Like, uh -huh. I'm, look, I'm, I'm garbling into my, my statistics, but what I'm, the point I'm trying to make is we, we, we think that it's only me. Therefore, mind your business yeah. and ignore me when I'm flipping out. Mind your business and get out of mind. And then sometimes too, like that can allow an opening for trauma Olympics to happen. Where it's like, that might have happened to you, but listen to what happened to me. Or that could have happened to the, okay, you're complaining about this. You're going to therapy for this. You want help with this. Well, like, I survived all of these things. All of those things are true. Like, two things can be true at once. All of these things can be valid, but, like, they're not in competition with each other. And someone else's trauma doesn't make ours any better or less or more or less valid or bigger or less impactful to us. So it can start this thing of trauma Olympics. It also is like people who have survived multiple things in their lives are really good at their defenses because they're really good survivors. So it makes sense of why they have 12 layers of barbed wire and chicken wire on top of that. And then the electrified force field on top of that. And then it's behind a, and then there's a moat filled with alligators, you know? But then when we're inside our little castle, look at all the defenses we got. We are real good at them. We built them real big and strong, but like we're inside our castle. And the castle might be crumbling at certain times. Wow. I, I love the castle analogy because I, I, for the longest time, I really thought that if I could keep myself safe from the people who wanted to help me, that I could be more secure. But if anything, that castle was crumbling on top of me. The more mm -hmm. I tried to fortify and create barbed wire and all these other the electric force field and all that stuff around us and for i know people were listening like well i'm gonna do this by myself it's gonna be me in a book i don't need nothing i don't need nobody i don't need any of this like we're real good the safety didn't happen the security was not guaranteed i'm gonna fix it by being the most safe thing ever by being the most strong thing ever Someone failed me, so I'm going to make it better all on my own. I'm going to be the safest. We could do that. That could happen. Like, that could be, we could be successful in that. But also, what are we losing out on? Sometimes when we get those defenses, when we get that fortress so secured, how hard is it for us to reach out? How hard is it, is it for us to accept people reaching out to us? Do we have a bridge that goes over the alligator-filled moat? Or are we just locked up in there real tight? And then when we're locked up in the real tight, does it still fix the fact that someone failed us? You know, one of the things that I have noticed, and I, you probably have experienced this in your, in your practice as well, is that it's almost as if we're betraying our family or demonstrators if we go against how we react to the things in the past and working through that. Because mm -hmm. 
back in our day, we just muscled through it and did all this stuff. We never complained. We kept a step up or left. And, and, and our men only talk about mm. the things that are serious, not this feeling crap. I love the thing when we talk about like different contexts or different experiences and like different time throughout history of like how we accept and receive help. Because it's like no one, there were never any issues back in my day. And it's like we're not mentioning the multiple people on multiple levels of medication or like all the housewives getting unlimited prescription for any sort of drugs to make them be able to get through the day of being a 1950s housewife and how restrictive and intense and traumatic that could have been for everyone in different contexts of how they're doing. We're not mentioning the hundreds of thousands of people who are in institutions and who were just locked away from daily society. So like, no, it might not have happened in your day or we just didn't see it or acknowledge it or recognize that it existed. Also, back, 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 way back in the day, like, the family units were there that, like, there weren't the resources to connect to. There weren't doctors. We were out in the hollers way down in. Like, people, there aren't roads to get to. So if someone was having an issue, the families in the community circled around and were like, how do we get through it? How do we support this person? This person interacts with information in a different way. This person processes information in a way that might, might be like everybody else. Okay, how can we best support them? What's a good thing for them? What's a good resource for them? What's a good task for them to do? What is helpful to have their life be as full and rewarding and enriching as everyone else's life? So this whole thing of like, well, we just grinned and bear it. We just got through it. We didn't have any of these issues. It's like the issues existed. The issues had done been existing. They were just dealt with in a different way that might not have been as visible. And like visibility is a beautiful thing. It's an amazing thing. The fact that we have so many resources and then we have so many different things for people to connect to is awesome and incredible and something to be lauded and not something to be like diminished or demeaned to be like, this is just the problem with the world. We have many problems in our world. Access to care and access to needing support should not be one of them. I find it very sad and concerning that as people are seeking help, they don't feel safe about sharing it with the people that are closest to them, their family, their friends. And point in case, if you grew up in a, a home where your mother or your dad, or perhaps both of them, were had their own internalized shame issues, they may say, well, I don't mention this. I did the best I could as a, as a mother. Mm -hmm. And like, I know, but I was still hurting from all of that. And I want to share with you some things that I've learned. Well, and with family work comes up a lot of like our family's response to our work might not be what we anticipate or what we need at the time. And that's okay. And how to sit with that and how to accept that and how to move past with that. Because it can be hard. Like as we transition into parents or into grandparents, into different roles in our lives from child to adult, from adult to parent, from whatever way or whatever path it takes, that we see it in different contexts, right? So then we can see if we go back to family of origin stuff and we're like, hey, this was really hard for me, we can get a lot of that defensiveness, understandably. We can get a lot of that defensive. We get, I was doing the best that I could. I was using the tools I can. Well, I was just, I must have been so horrible to you for you to have all these problems now. And it's like, that is fully about the other person that we are speaking with. That is not about what we are experiencing. It's also not about the knowledge that we have gained since and the tools and the healing that we have put the work into since. Someone else's reaction to our healing is their stuff 
and their own reaction that we are not responsible for and we're not responsible for solving. So sometimes it brings up a lot of this. When we try to include people, or we try to share our knowledge or share what we've learned, not everybody's going to be in a space where they're open to hearing it. And that's cool. I think there's like a healing fantasy that we'll all ride the magical unicorn's paradise together. Mm-hmm. And wait a minute, you don't, you don't want a journey with me? <laughs> well, it's like, you don't want to get on my unicorn and go into this magical journey. The other thing is like, sometimes people are seeking keys, right? They can be seeking what is going to unlock the secret to mastering my anxiety. What is going to unlock making my depression go away? What is going to be the key? And then if we feel like we've gotten keys of like, everyone else needs the keys too. But like, here's the underlying like little dirty secret is that like, sometimes the anxiety doesn't go away. Like It doesn't get unlocked. We learn to manage it better. Sometimes the depression doesn't magically poof disappear. Like we learn tools and we learn how to handle it in different ways and more effective ways for us. But like making it go away? Ooh, that's a big magical wand ask. And I say a lot of times, like my magic wand's in the shop. Sorry. Um, But when people are looking for these keys, they're like, I found the key. I'm going to give the key to you too. Everyone needs keys, all keys all the time. And it's like, "Mm, not everyone else is looking for keys. Some stuff has like 12 padlocks padlocked up. It's not the right key. It's not going to fit into my lock. Like there's all these different things that we think we have something to share. Sometimes there are people that really value that. Sometimes there are people that aren't in the space to be able to use it in the way that we have. And that's okay. We were talking uh, earlier about how for $1.99 and six easy payments, mm-hmm. you can discover your inner child and grow and heal. And for some people that may help them for others it just may take you into a place in the space that you don't need to be and there's a lot of confusion about okay where do I need to be right now in terms of my healing development work is it this particular key but that key only fits this door where do I go what do I do right Well, and this thing too of like, I can fix you, or this will fix you, or I have the course that will fix you. And it's like, is that even the right fit for me? The key might be 200 pounds. The key might be the size of a peppercorn. Like, it might not be the right fit for us. So part of it could be like, what, I'm real big on like client choice, client autonomy in the process. What is the right fit for us? What feels, what resonates with us? What feels good to us? And also, like, different things are going to fit at different times. So we may have done, like, really intensive CBT and for our depression or our insomnia or something like that. And that was really helpful to have a really, like, directive, didactic, like, intense process that we were doing worksheets. We had homework. There were consequences. Like, we got it done. That could have been really helpful for us. At different points or different things, we might need something else. So when we go back to that CBT, sometimes we go... this is icky. I don't like this. And I don't want to do homework. And you're making me do a worksheet. And I have to do the triangle again and list out my thoughts and my emotions and my behaviors. I don't want to do that when thinking about my dad. So there's different things that can be applicable to different resources. And same thing along of like, whether it's a therapist, I use this thing of like, sometimes searching for a therapist is looking for a pair of jeans. Like you got to try on a few to get the right fit and to get the one that like serves you best and like hits in all the right ways. So, but sometimes people can, you know, go to the first one or two and like not have the best experience. It might not have to be this debilitating, awful, 
this person was horrible and they were just mean. They asked me 10,000 questions and they didn't really connect or listen to what I was saying. Like, it doesn't have to be the worst on the end of the spectrum. It could just be like, meh. And then we go, oh, well, this just isn't for me. Well, this just isn't working out. Sometimes we meet a little bit until we find the one that we're like, yes, like, this is it. This coaching, this thing, this modality, like, yes, I'm really connecting with this internal family systems stuff. I love it. This is my jam. Yeah, I'm all about expressive arts. Like, I really wanted to do this. This was helpful for me in a way that things weren't. But that is such a helpful piece of the process. I don't feel like it's enough lip service when it's compared to $5.99, $1.99 for only $17,777 because numerology is important somehow. You can get the keys to your success and solve all your problems. Anyone telling you they're going to solve all your problems is not fully accurate. No. But, okay, so for that, for that. Shocking new information to me because the other piece of that is like, we have the keys to solving our problems, right? I can't tell you. I'm not in your life, so I can't be like, hi, this is what's going to fix everything. If you just go to sleep at 8 p.m., that'll solve, you know what? Get up at 5 a.m. like a Navy SEAL. That'll fix everything. Like, you have the tools and the, the, you know, the elements of your own success within you. We have a really hard time in our daily lives figuring that out and, like, being able to unlock them for ourselves. Sometimes going to therapy or coaching or whatever you need on your healing process Someone able to hold up a mirror and be like, look at all of the strengths. Look at all the tools. They might be hidden under some like silt and dirt and stuff. But if we uncover them and then use them, there we are. But that didn't come from your $5.99. I'm going to fix you just through gemstones and moon work. And crystals and beads. Yeah. Don't, and crystals and beads and eyewasher too. Yeah. And okay. Aura. We got to read the auras. We got to communicate with the animals. We got to connect with um, our spirit guides. And like there's space, you know, it's one of those things of there's connection of whatever we need in our lives. There's beautiful people who do amazing practicing of all different types of modalities and all different types of work. The issue is with when it's like this one thing is going to solve everybody. Just drink celery juice that's going to fix all the issues. Not endorsing drinking celery juice. Just wanted to be clear if the sarcasm was not picked up clearly on that statement. I, for the enlightenment of those who are listening, when you refer to CBT, we're talking about cognitive behavioral therapy, right? Okay, just want to right. make sure we're, we're, we started getting into some alphabet soup talking. I know. I did tell Denise, like, I get a little alphabet soupy sometimes. <laughs> I forget there's, like, real people in the real world who, like, don't speak in all acronyms. It's really annoying. Any of my military people out there will know of, like, ugh, some people, when they just go into acronym talk, it's like, speak like a human, please. Oh, it's FUBAR. It's FUBAR. <laughs> Anyways, effed <laughs> up beyond all repair. So sorry, I just had to throw that one since we were talking about that. But but speaking to your point about we are so independent in Western culture. We have, despite all the resources, despite the plethora of options, we still insist on customizing it to the point where we customize ourselves away from what we need to be doing. Mm-hmm. It's amazing how good we are in trying to, on a subconscious level, avoid what we need the most. The human mind is powerful. It is a magical, powerful being. So, like, 
with the increase in options, we also have a great increase of like ways we can avoid things or like ways we can try to not hit the direct thing or like what we're actually addressing. So we can be like, no, 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 it's not this. It's that the moon is out of cycle. I don't have any issues. Mercury's in retrograde. God, don't talk to me about Mercury. I, I literally had a client. Oh my goodness. I'm like, okay, let me just dive into it and talk yeah. about different issues. I literally had a client every time and I do CBT. Okay. Mm -hmm. Because that that's my jam as a coach. But anyway, I remember like giving a coaching exercise and they're like, I can't do it right now. My mind is totally out of flux. Mercury is in retrograde. Every single time we were at that point where we were kind of crossing through a barrier. Mm -hmm. I got an email. Mercury is in retrograde. I was like, well, okay. I guess Mercury truly is in retrograde. I guess if she said it enough times. Well, it's very powerful. You then accepted it as fact. Like, no, I'm not sensing any resistance here, client. I'm not sensing any like barriers or boundaries we're putting up. This work isn't hitting on any like sore subjects or anything that's making us feel like Ooh, icky or yucky or wonky. No, it just must be the planet that's gone into retrograde that is preventing us from, you know, crossing this line in the work. Look, for those of you guys who are listening, like, we love you. We, we really love the fact that you're exploring yourself and your feelings and understanding it feels uncomfortable at times. And it feels uncomfortable for us, too. That's why a lot of therapists, practitioners, healers avoid anything that can involve shame. Because it's almost like I'm vomit, you're going to vomit on me if I press the wrong buttons. And that, that vomit could be like being cursed out, being threatened, being insulted on social media. I mean, just to name a few fun-filled options. Yeah, fun-filled adventures. Well, it's like, it's like the relationship thing, right? So it's like when we're in relationship, we don't necessarily like it when then we're getting feedback of we're doing wrong or we're doing harm, or we're causing pain, or we're causing hurt. Are we necessarily causing pain? Dependent on the scenario, dependent on what's going on. Also, is just the work painful? Is the scenario painful? Is the topic that we're discussing rife with like pain and history and energy and like junk that comes up? So then how some people respond to pain, how anyone responds to pain in certain relationships can come out as like cursing, Social media, calling someone out, not going to certain things, not following through on certain things, not making certain session times or coming back. Avoidance, very, you know, popular, very powerful in a way of like that hidden icky. Instead of saying that hidden icky, I don't know what's coming up, but it is not fun for me. It's like, what if I just don't go back? What if I just don't? I'll just like ghost and then like, ah, I feel powerful in this moment. I'm making a choice. I am having some impact here. So some of that like stuff that comes up is like of that relational based things of things that we show up in other relationships in our lives can show up in healing work as well. Sometimes way more intensely in healing work. And then because like we're two humans, I am not a God coming down to bestow healing upon people. I am not the professor of all things of healing. Like we're two humans sitting together in a room you know, whether we're having a conversation or doing art or doing a sand tray, like we're two humans sitting together. So like sometimes I'm going to hit on some Mickey and then the human's going to be like, and respond to that in some way. Sometimes the humans are going to be like, back off. I don't want to talk about this. This is my line. This is my space. Do not cross. 
no adventures here. And then I'm going to respond to that of however what's going to be most appropriate in that moment. But it's like two humans connecting in a world and then how that shows up in different ways. I think people need to understand that the resistance, the fear, that's normal. In fact, that's Healthy. a good thing. If you're just like gliding by and having a great time, like, well, let's, let's all just sit down and smoke some bongs and just like just chill for this 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. I'm not, not advising people to smoke bong, be under the influence of chemicals during the session. That's my sarcasm coming out. But anyway, the point I'm trying to make is that if you're just thinking we're all just going to be chilling like homies and it's 45 minutes, I really wonder if you're in therapy. I wonder, really wonder if you're in healing work. Right. And like, how much work are we willing or able to do? And like, the answer can be none. The answer can be very little. But like, let's be honest and truthful about those answers and have them show up and how they show up in different ways. And that like, there's this thing in teen and adolescent therapy where it's like, roll with, roll with resistance. So like, resistance is going to show up. I don't know if you've met many teenagers in your life. Many of them are not like super thrilled to be in mandated counseling. It's not like a super fun time for them. So like sometimes they show up and have lots of resistance to the process. There's not a lot of power and agency in teenage life, but developmentally they're in a space where it's like, I want to have an identity. I want to express my certain ways. I want to meet these needs in ways that feel powerful and and meaningful to me. But then we have School and parents and life and society and all these rules and expectations and things happening. Sometimes we have Department of Juvenile Justice or we have other things coming into our life, Department of Social Services, all these adventures that come in and are one more thing telling us where to go and who to talk to and what to do. So with that, resistance come up. But like in session with um, teenagers and adolescents, do we sit there and go, how dare you speak to me this way? what do you mean you're not going to speak the whole session? Uh, What do you mean you don't want to play Uno with me? You need to play Uno right now or else you're getting ground. Like that I don't think results in my personal experience has not resulted in much success when I have seen those tools implemented. If you just roll with it and go, okay, we don't have to talk this time. How should we use this time together? Okay, we don't want to do this. I wonder if we could just like color or draw. Or okay, you can hang out there. I'm going to be doing this coloring sheet right here. Let me know when you're ready. And knowing the answer might be never. The answer might be, I'm not ready. I don't want to talk to you. You're weird and ask too many questions. Okay. But like rolling with it instead of avoiding it or directing it or engaging with a power dynamic and going, no, I am in charge here. I am your healer. I am the one. Like it's there whether we combat it or not. I have a I have a lot of former lives and one of my former lives I was a medical exercise specialist meaning that I work with special needs populations those who are at chronic injuries or some type of health condition and I knew that there were some clients especially clients who were post-op that they had some really awesome days and then then some days were like all we want to do is just stretch or maybe we're not going to stretch maybe we're just going to sit and talk mm-hmm. But them just showing up and being present was better than them never coming by. Showing up counts. I say all the time. Some people are like, I'm not where I want to be. I'm not where I was expecting it to be. Like, why am I still stuck in this? Why am I still having this? It's like, you're still showing up. Showing up still counts. Even if, you know, it's a beautiful corollary with like medical things and healing things of like a physical wound can be very similar to a psychological wound. And that like some days aren't it 
some days we ain't having it. And it's like, I don't want to stretch that. It hurts. Stretching is not happening, but I'm here and I'm sitting here and I'm devoting this time to being in this space. However, we need to use this space. Sometimes we use it for really deep work intense sessions. Sometimes we use it to color or to draw or to talk about The Bachelor or Love is Blind or whatever is happening. But like a useful use of that space that is still acknowledging that we're showing up and we're engaging in the process. People don't really honor the fact that you showed up, but there comes a point where I think you need to show up for yourself mentally. Mm -hmm. And only you know whether or not you're giving it your, your all in that moment or you're just kind of going through the motions. And it's interesting, Emily, I was just talking to a, a person who was a, the classic underachiever in her life. And the reason why she, and she, and not shockingly, her career was very mediocre over the 30 plus years as an artist because nobody expected anything of her. So she didn't expect anything for herself. So it shouldn't be shocking to her healing journey was mediocre. Mm -hmm. And she wanted someone to make her feel better about herself and her own healing journey when she had to realize many years later that she had to put the fire underneath her that it wasn't just going to come through osmosis. No one's going to give it to you. Like, you got to work for it and you got to fight for it. And that, like, sometimes in therapy or in work, like, my view is part of the clinician's job is also not to call you out on it or, like, not to be like, that's on what we are able as clients to show up as and contribute. The clinician or the therapist or the coach or whoever it is can reflect and be like, hey, I feel like we're not really as invested or like, I notice that I'm putting a lot out here, but like, I don't really know how much of this is hitting or how much of this is connecting with us. Or like, I really know how I'm the best fit for you. It sounds like there's this other modality or this other resource that might connect with your needs better, but like, it's not on them to be like, you need to show up and do this now. Like that's got to come from within. It's similar to like 12 step work of like everyone in your life telling you to change a certain thing or change a certain engagement with whatever thing is happening is not going to be the deciding factor. It comes from within. Sometimes it's other factors too that are extenuating circumstances, but like mainly it's that internal motivation that is like, I can't do this anymore. I can't live like this anymore. I want things to be different. I want things to look different and I want my life to be different. And then a piece too of like the, sometimes the mediocrity, like we talk a lot about fear of failure and sometimes don't give as much like lip service to fear of success. I think there's a lot of like perfectionism with ADHD and like perfectionism in general that a lot of people are like, oh, well, like I didn't have great grades or like I could never get things in on time or I would have really trouble in school. But what do you mean I'm a perfectionist? It's like where we did it have to be perfect or it wasn't worth doing. Did it have to be exemplary or it wasn't worth the effort? Did it have to rate 100 or it had to be zero because there's no in between? Like, that's an element of perfectionism. And sometimes there's a big piece of it that's we're fearful of our success and what we're capable of and what being an exemplary artist or what being an excellent human or what achieving all these standards would mean to us. That if our whole lives or if our context has been certain things, the thought of like meeting all of our goals and like being successful and like being a well-rounded human with people that love and care about us in our lives that can be somewhat terrifying and off-putting. As you were talking, I was thinking about T.B. Kehler's Five Curses. 
be perfect, be strong, hurry up, please others and try harder. And like people talking about, oh, well, I, I'm only doing things perfectly. If I don't do it perfectly, I'm not showing up. I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, who taught you that? Right. Who taught you that? Because <laughs> the last time- like, who says? Because it didn't come from us. It's like the five-year-olds don't want to be perfect. And we're going to have to like rewire your expectations of what a human is. Because last time I checked, even I can't live up to my own standard, even when I feel like I'm I'm slaying it for the day. What Mm -hmm. makes you think you can be slaying it all day, every day? Mm -hmm. And like, what is that indicative of? What deeper things are happening that are like, yes, I am perfection embodied. Okay. Where is that coming from? That to me is the more interesting question of like, cool, cool, cool. We're Adonis and we can do nothing wrong. What's our evidence? Where is that coming from? Who told us that in our lives? We were talking earlier about Instagram and I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know this until like yesterday I was watching this documentary called Child, uh, Childhood 2.0 is a bark uh, documentary about the influence of social media has on children's development. But anyway, I found out that there's a feature that you could like cinch and expand the waist. I'm like, there is a feature like that is Photoshop, like 3.0. I'm like, I didn't know. And then imagine your brain, even though your brain knows what you're seeing isn't real. You're trying to reach standards that defy physics. Don't exist. Don't even exist. Well, if you want to go like real off left field with that, like AI, like Canva now has AI. So it's like you, and I mean, everywhere has AI, but like in terms of uh, how it will work with Instagram posts potentially and like social media posts is like, you can just AI all your screen, all your profile pictures. You can like AI all your stuff now. Like, yes, you might show up with like five fingers and like a frog for a face, but at some point it will get to the level of like Facetune, right? Where, okay, it's very hard for perception wise to see that like everything on Instagram is not reality or very few things on Instagram are like unpolished, unperfected images of like reality and humans in the world. So then we get to a point of like, okay, how much of the artifice is coming in? And then how does that impact our perception and our views of ourselves and others? If we can never measure up to the standard that doesn't even exist, but it shows up in this picture on Instagram or is flooding my Instagram feed, then like, how am I ever going to have self-acceptance? How am I ever going to view myself as good enough when my standard literally is not possible? So we're, we we already feel insecure because of the faulty and distorted messages from our childhood. Right. Mm -hmm. And we pop online. Then then we also, we want to protect ourselves and shield ourselves then we go on an Instagram and talk to a coach for $200 so that they will change our lives with this click. Click this button. Join my live now. And Unlock my secrets. And they're, they're, they're having this beautiful Instagram filtered like face and like 19 inch waist. And like, okay, now I know what's wrong with me. I didn't click this button. And so my problems are not because they're my problems. It's because I didn't click this button. My problems are not because of these things that have happened and all these factors that are important in my life. It's because I don't have the 19-inch waist. Then the underlying message of that too is like, cool, you get the 19-inch waist, you get the corset, you get the waist trainer, whatever it is, guess what? You might still be unhappy. 
that's the unspoken part that we need to say out loud. Even if you're sitting, when you're talking with Emily, you're talking with me, when you're just, when you're, you're in a, you're in a session, I don't want anyone thinking that that one session is going to be it. You're going to ride high in glory after that. Magic wand is in the shop. One stop shopping, not accurate in terms of healing processes. And like, I know it's frustrating. It's super not a fun, like shiny part of the process. But I talk with people all the time of like, it's a pro like, I'm so sorry. It's not going to get fixed tomorrow. Like, I know we want to like manage our anxiety. I know we want to get past this. I know we don't want this element of our lives to be taking so much energy and so much brain space and so much activity. And I know we want to have full, well-rounded, meaningful, deep relationships in our lives. It's not going to happen in 24 hours. It may not happen in a week. It may not happen in a year. But the fact that we're trying and the fact that we're engaged and the fact that we're even aware that it's something that we might want to change about our life, that, that's powerful. Now that's meaningful and that's indicative of something. But like having that context and that reference point of like, there is no one stop shop. There's no like magic fix to make it be. And that like, it's an ultimate form of like self-care and self-compassion that we like contribute to the work and that we like commit to it and are like, okay, I know this isn't going to be an overnight fix. I know this is going to be painful and difficult and, you know, funny and engaging and creative at times, but I know this is going to be a process that's going to have ups and downs, but I'm willing to try. While we're here, while we're just having some really honest talk, I'm just going to sit here and say this and, you know, however people interpret this, I'm going to leave it up to the universe. <laughs> I always hear people say, I don't have the money and I don't have the time. And then in the next breath, they say, are you going to get that new iPhone 15? <laughs> it's like by choice. Got by the way. I'm going, I'm, I'm going to Cancun with my girls next week. Mm -hmm. And I'm like thinking to myself, with a clear mind, you won't be drunk with the next guy that winks at you in Cancun and wonder what happened. With that, with that clarity of mind, you won't be using that new iPhone 15 to download stuff that you really shouldn't be downloading or buying or clicking impulsively because you're trying to escape from your painful feelings. Mm -hmm. And I think that for those who are listening and they're like, well, you know what, that's awesome, Denise, but I don't have fill in the blank. What, what we really should be talking about is why do you feel the resistance? And what are you prioritizing that's getting in the way of your own healing? Right. Well, and it goes back to very like client choice and autonomy. You can choose to use your money on whatever you can use it on. If you want to be go get the new iPhone, go to the Dominican Republic, have a girl's trip, whatever floats your boat, whatever is doing your meaning are. But like what is going to have I don't love the phrase like return on investment. What is going to be the most connected to us? What is going to be the most helpful for us? Sometimes that answer is the iPhone. Sometimes that answer is, you know, that's your life, that's your choices, have it to be whatever it needs to be. But the piece of it is that like sometimes there are these real barriers to care that can be like access, cost, um, like accessibility, certain thing, you know, feeling comfortable, having safety, a safe place to engage with it, having a device that we can engage with healing or therapy or coaching with, like all these things are real. 
they also can be real convenient examples of like, I just don't have the funds at this time. I just don't have this. I don't have that. All of that can be true. How much are we willing to invest in ourselves though? How much are we willing to keep going in the way that it's going? How much are we willing to try something different? Because then practically, like, there's a bajillion other resources out there that, you know, might be hidden under a million things. OpenPath is an amazing one. $40 a session where you can have licensed associates, licensed therapists, licensed people out there. $40 a session. There's many people around many of the cities in the U.S. where it's like they have sliding scale. So if their posted rate is $250 and you're like, oh, my goodness, I can't afford $1,000 of therapy a month. That is not in the budget. Some people have sliding skill spots. And if you connect with them and go, this is my person, I feel really connected to this person, let them know like, hey, this is my situation. I don't have $1,000, but I could maybe swing $200 a month, whatever the number is. But like the worst that happens is they say no, or they give you connections or resources to someone else. So like there are very easy um, opportunities to be like, well, here's why I can't do it. And it's like, there's workarounds to those, there's resources to those. What is underneath of like, what is the bigger resistance to it? We can, you know, they're really true, valid barriers to care. Beyond that, what's our internal barrier? What's coming up for us other than time, money, access, resources that is going, that I feel, I feel woozy about that. I feel icky about that. I feel like it's not at this time. And then how much are we able to hold space for that and like recognize that and go like, oh, I really, this is not a right time for me to engage with this process because of all these factors or how much of that is avoidance. And I think that we live in a society that says you can insta way your, <laughs> insta. we got Instacart, we got Insta, what, what? Insta <laughs> we got multiple Instas. Instas. And to your point about what's going on behind that, if you honestly taking a look at your finances, at your schedule, like, okay, I can't swing it this way or that way. Maybe I can coordinate. But for some of us, we just go like, I don't even want to ask the question because I don't want to feel the no because I'm already feeling bad about myself to begin with. Only you, yeah, is an indicator. Only you can say because it's like a lot of this is maybe not relevant, but a lot of this is very similar to like multi-level marketing world. A lot of people in multi-level marketing world, like, you know, here's how to get past people saying they don't have money or not this time. And they don't know it's like, there's a lot of sales tactics that are not great and really predatory and like not helpful. But in that, like, I can't tell you the way of how to budget or hey, I'm not in the business of trying to talk through and do the hey hun messages and go, here's how you can budget it. Well, if it only does this, here's the breakdown. Or if you're worried about money, don't you know it just pays for itself in this amount of like, no. Um, I'm here if, to provide the support if the support is needed to be provided. And also it's up to you of like, if you're ready for the investment, if you're ready to make it work. Sometimes we're not and that's okay. But if we are, like, what can we look through and what can we say that's important to us? Do we need to look at it and go, I can budget it and only do it for eight sessions, but that's all I got. I can only do, I have EAP through my job. I only get six sessions with that. I want to start with that, but I really want to do depth therapy, which is like a two-year process. Maybe I'll start with my EAP, kind of get something cleared up and then get like referrals or resources to other people in the area. Like we can look at different things, but that all, all has to come internally. 
You know, I was thinking about Bob Proctor and Zig Ziglar as you were talking about. I've known many, many, many people who have gone through that. Let's investigate how we can use your money more effectively. And I'm like, oh my goodness, we're just violating their autonomy by trying to manipulate them into things that they aren't going to really be fully invested in and therefore self-sabotage themselves on the subconscious level. But I digress when I say that. <laughs> well, I was like, oh, why am I bringing up predatory sales tactics in terms to therapy and healing journey? <laughs> I was like, I don't know if Denise is going to, if I'm going to like land this plane, but I'm going to go for it anyway. And you did. And it brought up that thought to my mind. And for those right. of you guys who have knew about Bog Proctor and Zig Ziglar, that's just research that on your own. That is a different conversation. Okay. On research your own that. time. On your own time, that's, that's, we're, 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 we're taxing back to where we need to be. Hmm. Is this idea of we were reflecting about pain, painful experiences created ideas of our mind about what to expect. Society marketing has distorted ideas. Furthermore, we protect ourselves from that. We have to understand that there are options available, sliding skills, all that fun stuff. But it really always goes back down to how bad do you really want it? And what are you expecting? Emily's magic wand is still in the shop. My, <laughs> my magic leprechaun hasn't come back home yet. So your unicorn, your magical unicorn, we were going to ride on an adventure to magical healing. It flew away. Man, it hasn't come back to the stop. Darn it, Denise. It was when the coronavirus showed up. All hell broke loose. But the, what I'm trying to say here is that for those of you guys who are listening, please understand that we support you. We understand that you might be scared. We understand that you may have had that tab of Emily's website or my website up for like maybe like the last six months. <laughs> I don't know, but I do know that it really boils down to your desire for a better future for yourself. And you're not gonna fuel your way into it. It's just you propelling yourself because you know that there's more that lays ahead of your life. And that's gonna come from you. And I, I'm not in that predatory marketing thing and I know you aren't too, Emily. And Understand that if you're going to find someone, make sure that they're safe. Make sure they make you feel comfortable, but understand and will feel good in the process. And we're, we're giving a lot of talk to like the yucky and not fun sides of it. There are fun parts to it. There are fun sides to it and like, you know, magic and healing and connecting to ourselves and integrating all the pieces to ourselves. There all are the like magical you see it on TikTok and movies of like, oh, I've come into my own. I am now a self-actualized human being. Watch me be a rock star in the world. Like sometimes there are moments of that. It's not all yucky, but like to get to that is work and is process. And part of the process too of like willing be willing no nope, willingness to be able to take the leap and to like jump off the cliff through metaphorically. Um in terms of like willing to take that step because we might have that tab open forever. We might have 13 tabs open. We might have 12 different YouTube lectures. We might have listened to 13 different free coaching things of here's my freebie and then at the end, here's my sales pitch. Like we might have gone through all of those just because that's where we're in the information gathering stage. We're in the curiosity stage. That's totally appropriate and normal and rational. So we might have a lot of that and still have that hesitancy and have that like, this is something new. I don't want to, I hate talking on the phone. Now this website is telling me to call this person. I don't want to call them. But our willingness or our like being able to hold the space for that element of fear and then being able to take that leap 
And this thought too of like sloppily jumping into action. Sometimes we're waiting for everything to be perfect and everything to be pristine and us to feel like in the most perfect space. There's a readiness of space and then there's also like just a willingness of space. So sometimes we're ready, but still hesitant. Sometimes we want it, but still are afraid. If we just kind of just jump into the action, if we just send that email or we like just, you know, make that phone number or reach out to that person, then we'll get our answer. Either way, it's out there. Sometimes we need all that time to sit on it, but how much are we willing or able to hold the space to kind of just like take the step off the cliff and then see what happens? You asked me um, a while back, you said, what made me decide to want to get sober? What made me decide to want to get well? And with respect to readiness and willingness, I just got tired of just being a drunk mess. Just, just be honest. This is me being honest. I got tired of feeling ashamed about hiding bottles all over the place. I got tired of awkward stares from coworkers, not knowing what was going to come out of my mouth. I got tired of feeling constant anxiety. You, not you, Emily, but you who are listening, need to have that why for you. And like you, like you said, Emily, like it's, it's, it's sometimes they're going to be awesome. I, I might have fireside chats. I know Emily, she's got, oh, she can entertain you for days. Like it's not always going to be like um, screams and bullhorns and whips. <laughs> it's like the it's also not all like sobbing and misery and like, uh, that's sometimes depicted in the world too of like, it's just someone crying on a couch. Like uh, some people are crying, honestly. Most of my tissues are used for allergies. So I, it just depends on kind of where everyone is at in their emotional space. But like there is a variability of the experience. But like to not have the expecting it to be miserable or expecting it to be magical, either of those holding us back. Yeah, yeah. And I think for those of, the, those of you guys who are listening, keep focus on that vision of your best self. It's there. It wants to come out. I'll never forget you know, and when the darkest moments, when I was battling through my own sex addiction issue, I just thought to myself, I'm, somebody's going to rape me and kill me. It's just a matter of time. I'm just going to get caught up in the wrong situation. And I just, I couldn't see the end. But there was a little voice in my head that kept saying, just keep going, keep asking. And the resources did appear. So whether you guys are thinking, I don't have any time or I don't have any money, I don't have any resources, just having that thought like there's better ahead of me, there's someone there, there's something there can be your lifeline. Totally. And like what you mentioned of how you want your life to look, how you want to feel, how you want to be, that's out there. Like that's possible. When we're in this space of not liking what it looks like, not liking how we feel in our bodies, not liking how we feel with our people, not liking how we feel in relationship with others. It feels endless. It can feel hopeless. It can feel unmanageable. That's part of what gets us into seeking help, no matter where we're seeking it or what resource we're trying to connect to, is that we're like, I don't want to live like this. I don't want things to be this way. I don't want it to continue like this anymore. So that can get us into it. But then like also knowing that one day it might not look this way anymore. One day we can feel better. One day we can achieve the things. We can feel the way we want to. It's a path along the way. But like the, the, if we just keep trying or reaching out, the resources will come to us when we're available to use them that works for us. And that like 
the healing process is getting to the point where we're like, I can do this. I can handle this. I got this. Oh, I know, like, this really annoying thing happened. I can do it. It's not sending me into a breakdown anymore. This change happened in my life. That's okay. I can handle it. I can make it better. You know, but to be sure, I mean, there's at each level, there will be new devils. So we're going to sit here and say that all your problems will go away, you know, and you've learned all these tools and you're just going to be slaying it. As humans, we will be always confronting things that remind us of the past. There's no, no way around it. Mm-hmm. But at least we know we are capable of more and better. Man, this conversation has, I'm mean, shoot, I should have been writing more notes down. I'm just sitting there ministering to myself during this conversation. But Emily, yes. how can people find you, girl? Best place to find me is my website. It's www. I have to say it correctly. <laughs> www.larkspurtherapy.com. L A R K S P U R therapy.com. I'm on Instagram at Larkspur underscore scare. Nope. Larkspur underscore therapy. Um, I think I have like four posts. We're working on it. If you want to see some bad Canva templates, I'm a great follow on Instagram. But the best place to find me is honestly the website. That's where all my resources are. Best place to contact me is there. Um, Yeah. And I love the fact that you're very transparent about your fees and your process and just who you are. And it's really refreshing to talk with therapists who are like, well, this is my credentials and I know all this is you shut your mouth and you keep coming back and (laughs) you don't have that vibe. And I think that's so, it's so refreshing because I don't believe that I'm the only source and that's why we're talking. And I know Mm -hmm. you're open about what you can and cannot do. And so I'm, I'm hoping that people are listening can avail themselves of not just you, but anything that can take them to where they need to be. And lastly, I, I, I know we talk so much, but I just have to say this, this ask you this question. Is there like something you'd be like, look, your children better sit down and listen. This is the most important message. Oh, you're putting me on the spot. I'm the sorry. most meaningful oh. thing. Oh, I'm sorry, love. There's so many magical messages. The one that's coming up for me that is the most meaningful that might not be like, oh, stop your cars now, pull over, here's your driveway moment from NPR. Like, this might not hit everybody, but just like, we're all people in the world. So like, whoever you're seeking help with or whatever you're seeking help from, like, we're all peoples and humans. So like, whether it's me, whether it's someone else, whether it's Denise, whether it's whoever that we connect with, of like, just seeking those connections are important. And that like, the biggest thing I think I see most recently is like, we are more powerful than we give ourselves credit for. We are living our daily lives. We have so many things that we manage and we handle and we control, even when we're feeling out of control and we feel like things are slipping through our fingers. Like we are so much more capable than we give ourselves credit for. And that's sometimes the beauty of this like healing process is just having someone there who can see it and reflect it back. It doesn't have to solve everything. That doesn't make everything go away. But being like, dang, you're handling a lot. Man, like you are, you got some skills. You have some strengths that are really being put to use. That can be enough to get us through the day sometimes. It really is just that power within that day and that nothing more. Or maybe even in that moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Emily, it's just been such a pleasure talking with you. 
y'all just need to follow, not just for the, the bad Canva template. <laughs> I'm working on it, y'all. I'm working on it. We'll see. Maybe I'll just switch it to a Waffle House, a Waffle House enthusiast Instagram. And you'll be like, where's this therapist lady that I was trying to follow? All of a sudden, I just get like pictures of Waffle House. I don't know if this is what I signed up for. But I'm working on improving my Canva posting. Don't you worry about it, but I just... I, I can tell people, like, I got a degree in feelings. I got, like, a training in emotions. So, like, the social media stuff is new to a lot of us in therapy world. It's new to Me too. I, I told you I'm going to hire the most shipperiest, happiest, like, uh, young girl in her 20s to just, like, take over all my socials because it is moving so fast that even I can't, I can't keep up. I'm only trying to keep up. Gen Z but, to the rescue, man. I can't handle it, but they'll figure out all the hashtags. I don't know. But, you know, I can't compete with someone who thrives off Red Bull and Euphoria to, like, power me through, like, likes and follow. I, I can't do all that. But anyway, I digress on that. But, Emily, it's just been such a pleasure talking with you. Those of you guys who just enjoyed this conversation, do the next step, whatever that next step is. Don't just keep that tab open. Like, start clicking buttons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I'm going to leave uh, links to Emily's uh, social and website in the show notes below, but an action item that I want everyone who's listening to, to take apart is that is asking yourself is, how can I be the best version of myself right now? And the answer really will depend on how honest you are with yourselves. Well, thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Emily, for being here. Make sure you share this podcast far and wide because we all need more fame and clout because we're not we're not conceited, but we need your help. <laughs> yeah, share it for fame and clout or just share it for people who might find it helpful. Yes, absolutely. So, and then I told Denise, you like, get what you need, get, get whatever you get out of it is valuable. Whether it is the action steps that Denise just shared or just like a piece of information, the whole conversation, you could be like, I don't know, these people talk too fast. I don't know what's going on. But like, if you found one thing helpful or insightful or made you laugh, there you go. You succeeded at something today. Congratulations. And goal starts for everyone. And with that being said, thank you guys for listening. Take care and be awesome.